Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. We're going to call this, this new series, Change Your Mind. Change Your Mind. And it kind of tags on with the one we finished the last time I preached, which was ages ago. Uh, but we talked about under and over, and as we ended that series, we talked about renewing our mind. And frankly, I just know there's more that we need to say about it, but it's going to take on a new flavor, so I wanted to change it, and we'll call it Change Your Mind. You see, within every believer, when you get born again, there is change that happens. It's instantaneous. It isn't something you have to, you know, grit your teeth and, oh, or I got to go to church the next 10 weeks in a row, sit in the same chair, you know, greet hands with everybody, you know, shake hands with everybody, oh, yeah, no, no. There's instant change that happens when you get born again. In your heart, the real you, I don't mean your physical pump, but the real you, the person on the inside is made brand new. It's a, it's a radical miracle. It's called the new birth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul called, he, he phrased it like this. He said, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature, a new creature. He said, the old person is gone and the new has come. I'm kind of mixing in about three versions, translations of that, so don't try to find it on. Anyway, but he, he said this, the old person is gone and the new has come. Hallelujah. So there's instant change when a person gets in Christ. As instant as that change is, there's a progressive change that happens with a Christian. And, you know, it's, it's called renewing your mind. It's, it's called beginning to think up here like I do in here. It's beginning to think up here the way God thinks. And, 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 and really, as we change our mind and begin to think differently, it allows us to express the person that's on the inside of us, the new person. Now, in the old days, it wasn't such a great idea for me to express the person on the inside because, man, that guy on the inside was full of yuck. He was the yuck man. But when I got in Christ, that yuck man is gone and there's a new man in there and he's like Jesus. Jesus is living in here. As a matter of fact, you know, if, if our spirit, any of our born-again spirits were out here and Jesus was here, you couldn't tell the difference. Same kind of stuff that makes Jesus, Jesus is the same kind of stuff that makes a new creature a new creature. Well, how come a Christian, person that's born again, can go around and act, you know, ungodly? Well, it's because they're not allowing the person on the inside to come out. All right? Just like some sinners can act nice, but inside them they got yuck. Well, they've restrained that person on the inside and, and, and held him back, and they're not really going, Ugh! I mean, some sinners are just better at expressing themselves. And you may not like it, but it's who they are, and it's coming out. Well, we as Christians need to become good at expressing what's on the inside of us. And to do that, we've got to change our mind. 
We've got to change our mind. I like to bring this up, but in Romans chapter 12, um, John, you want to pull that up? Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I don't really care which version you bring up, but one of them. Uh, King James, that works for me. Um, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> All right, it says this, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know, our bodies are screwy. They'll try to do all kinds of funny stuff, you know, but, but we're to present them to God. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. If I had a little highlighter, and probably you look in my Bible, it probably has that word highlighted. So be transformed. How do you be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. So, and it goes on, that you may prove what good, perfect, acceptable, and perfect will of God. But uh, the way that this transformation happens with all of us is we renew our minds. We get our heads thinking right. We get our heads screwed on right. We change our minds. We change them to think like God. Um, so in this series, we're going to talk about a number of things that the Bible clearly lays out about how we should think. Okay, sound all right? Hallelujah. So where are we going to go today? Let me, let me harp on this for a minute too. We said this already, but, but just so you have the picture straight. When Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on top of the mountain, they call it the Mount of Transfiguration, when he was up on that mount, it says that he began to shine like the sun. And, you know, it was so intense that Peter, he reached in his robe and pulled out his Ray-Bans and said, Wow, Jesus, this is awesome. You're just glowing, man. You're so good. Well, what was happening when Jesus was up on the mount is what was in him radiated out and began to shine the very stuff that was in him. And what I was going to just point out to you is that word transfigure, because that's how they term it, where they give that, that Bible story there. He said he was transfigured before them. Well, it's the very same word here that's used in Romans 12, chapter 2, where it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, you know, we may, they may not have to pull their Ray-Bans out yet when we walk down the street, but I'm telling you that in every believer, there is light there is life. There is God's stuff just waiting to come out and be displayed to the world. And again, when, when I say that, I don't mean that we display us. But like Dana said this morning, the worship was so good. I agree with her. It was really great. I was going there today. And what, what happened is, man, the musicians and the leaders, it was like they stepped back and they were invisible. And Jesus stepped up and said, that's what we, that's the goal. That's what we want, guys. Jesus coming forth. All right. Luke chapter 5. Let's go over here. Like I said, I haven't, um, I haven't preached in a couple weeks. We had uh, Jim Hockaday with us. How many enjoyed that? It was good. Three of us did. That was good. And, and, um, and, uh, and then last week, Pastor Stephen taught. That was tremendous. We, I enjoyed that. I always enjoy you know, hearing Pastor Stephen preach and the other ministers in our church, too. I like it when Rob preaches. And, but um, so I haven't been here in a couple weeks. So I, I, and, and we've had that big wild meeting with Brother Hockaday, you know. And 
I, I just wanted to share some things this morning, kind of pastorally. You, you know, that's, I guess that's what I am as a pastor. So, you know, what do pastors do? You know, they're different from evangelists. You know, you got evangelists like Jim Hockaday that come in and they go, ah, you know. And I'm there the next week going, hey. <laughs> so, so this morning, I just wanted to touch on some things and just bring us into a, a place here, you know, uh, and, and glory to God. You know, we, the, one of the cool things about our church here at Liberty is we have this, this mixture of people. You know, we have people that have been saved for many years, and we have brand new Christians that are here, people that have been in, in a church like ours forever, you know, that are charismatic, and, you know, that's kind of how I grew up, you know, and when I got born again, I went to this church down in downtown Minneapolis, and I mean, we saw it all. We saw it all. I mean, you know, we had people like this guy named Benny Hinn come into our church every year, and nobody even knew who he was. He was a young kid. I think he was like 25 years old, not even married, and, and he was just starting out in the ministry, and he'd come into our church and, 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 and do a meeting. I don't know nothing. I mean, I'm just barely learning what the Bible says, and I remember, I remember one night when, when I came to church, and this guy, Benny Hinn, was going to be preaching, and I'm just a newbie. I don't know nothing. So I'm sitting in my, my normal place. You know, I have, you, do you guys have normal places you sit? I had a normal place I'd sit. I kind of sat in more in the back. I like to observe things. And, and I remember, I just remember sensing like electricity in the air. And again, I didn't know nothing, but I remember at the end of the service, this little guy, you know, up there, he's preaching away. He's talking about experience that he'd had and, and, and with the Holy Spirit. And he said, if anybody would like prayer, come on up. And I, I just, you know, I'm still, I still look like a hippie. And I'm, I'm, I'm like coming up and I go up there and, and this, this young little guy, really, he just, he lays hands on me. The next thing I knew, I was looking at the ceiling. I, I fell out. You know, and I didn't have anybody teach me about that. You know, I'd seen it before. But, but you know, I, I'd never experienced it. And there, there I was. And I've been around churches like that for, for a number of years now. And, and I realize that sometimes, you know, you're really not in a charismatic church unless the pastor has to get up every now and then do some explaining. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if you can call yourself charismatic if, if you don't have to do that sometimes. I mean, I, when I was a little kid, see, I didn't get saved till I was 20 years old. But my parents were Christians, and they went to a wild church. And, and, and they'd, you know, when I was real young, they'd take me with to church. But when I got old enough to rebel, I rebelled, and I just never went. And, and um, except on Easter a couple times. But, but um, I remember my dad got prayed for one night in church, and I'm just probably four or five years old, sitting in the front row. And my dad got prayed for, and they didn't have carpets in the church. It was tile floor. And my dad got prayed for and he fell over with such force that his head bounced off the tile. Do you know what? That's why we have catchers. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly as a young kid that freaked me out. And I didn't want to go back to church. I was like man and I, you know, I, I wasn't real verbal. We didn't, 
necessarily talk about things like that. We didn't have a family pow-wow. And, and so I bottled it all up as a young kid, and, and I didn't want to go back to church. But finally, I broke, and I told my dad. You want to know what I said? I'm just a kid. I said, Dad, dad are they going to have one of them tumbling services? And he's like, what? Tumbling? And then I, I said, well, remember you, did, you fell that last time, and you bounced? And, and he, 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 he did a dad thing. And he patted me, and he says, oh, it was okay. He told me he never even felt the ground. Never felt the ground when he went down. Now, sometimes, um, can I be real? Can I be real? Sometimes, in churches like ours, people get prayed for. People get prayed for, and they fall, and it isn't necessarily because God knocked them over or anything. They just fell because, well, hey, it isn't a bad thing. Maybe they just were yielding to God and, you know, and they just fell. Well, again, that is why we have ushers catch. Because if they're really in the spirit, you know, frankly, you don't need a catcher. But you know what? We're, we all, we're all people. And, and when I got up this morning, I, had, I realized I had flesh. And it was saying, where's the coffee? You know, that's what it says to me in the morning. And, and because of that, because sometimes we miss, we, 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 you know, even though God is real and things of God are real, sometimes us humans can do things, you know, and, and, and we're just trying to protect people. That's why we have catchers in church. Some of you wondered. You said, oh, that's why. That's why we have a modesty cloth. We just want to make sure people are comfortable, peaceable. Did you guys turn to Luke 5, verse 17? I want to read a story here. And, and this is a story of Jesus' ministry. Jesus ministered on the earth, you know, for, for several years here. And, and how many thought, how would, just, wouldn't you just, you ever think about it? What it would have been like to have been there when Jesus was preaching? Some of you guys wonder what it's like when Pastor Paul's preaching, but, but no. What was it like when Jesus was preaching? Frankly, sometimes people romanticize that thought, and they make it something that it's not. What I've found over the years as a Christian, that when God shows up in a service, it's rarely like I thought it was going to be. Rarely is it like I thought it was going to be. Let me go on. It came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, again, Jesus was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. So here we have it laid out. Here's Jesus. He's teaching in this facility, and there's people in the room. I mean, the place is packed. We'll find that out later. And, and there's, there's people from all around. And right while Jesus is teaching, it is stated here in the book of Luke that the power of the Lord was present to heal. Now, I'm going to read the whole account, but I'm going to tell you right now. Even though it was Jesus... 
even though the power of the Lord was present to heal, not every person in the room got healed. Some people think, well, if I was there when Jesus was there, my goodness, then I'd have got it. Probably not. I, I, I used to, I went to Bible school down in Tulsa, actually Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, but I worked in Tulsa over on 7th and Sheridan at a quick trip, and I had the graveyard shift, and boy, if you want to see some interesting life, pull a graveyard shift at a convenience store in a big city. It's interesting. You get all kinds of interesting people that come through. And, and uh, I mean, when the bars let out, whoa, there's a whole crowd, you know. And, and I always loved, we had police officers that would come in regularly. I love that. Give them free stuff. Yeah, hang out. Talk to me a while, you know. Some, sometimes, you know, people would come in on a regular basis. I had a lady in the neighborhood that would cook me supper on occasion. You know, she probably thought I, I looked like I needed to eat because I was a skinny young lad. But uh, I remember I had a gentleman come in. Uh, he was one of my regulars. And I'd get to talking with him. And he was a, he was a Baptist guy. And, and, uh, and I say that because this is what sparked it with him. Is, you know, he knew I was a Bible school student, but he'd, we'd, again, he'd come in regularly and would have conversations. And somehow, some, some night when we were talking, I, I told him that I had worked for Billy Graham. Now, I realize that not everyone in this day knows who Billy Graham is. If you're my age, everyone knows who Billy Graham is. Because Billy Graham was on TV. He was a friend of six different presidents. There's nobody that's really taken a, uh, a role like Billy Graham in our country since, uh, since Billy Graham. And Billy Graham is still alive. He's in his late 90s. But he isn't functioning in that role like he was. But, I mean, he was on TV. He was on the talk shows. He was on Johnny Carson, who was the Jimmy Fallon of the day. And... and um, so anyway, this, this guy found out that I worked, and Billy Graham was a Baptist. So this guy, who was a Baptist, found out that I worked for Mr. Graham. And, and oh, his face lit up. His face lit up. And he says, wow, did you ever meet Mr. Graham? I said, yeah, yeah, he's a real social guy. Whatever he can, he'd be around the employees. You know, he didn't, have a, he didn't stay in his office there at Minneapolis. He was usually on the road. But, you know, a couple times a year, he'd stop in. He'd, have, he'd come for the picnic every year. You know, and eat fried chicken with all of us, you know. And, and this guy was just like eating it up. And he's like, and this is what he said to me. He said, wow, if I ever got in the presence of Billy Graham, I said, I think I'd just speak in tongues. And this guy had never spoken tongues in his life. But this is how he interpreted it. He thought, if I could get around that guy, oh, man. Well, I doubt if he would have, you know. Honestly, I don't know that I ever did, okay. And I speak in tongues all the time. But, I, you know, I was just like, hey, Mr. Graham, pleasure to meet you, you know. <laughs> what was it like to be in a meeting when Jesus was teaching and the power of God was present to heal? We're still kind of on this change your mind thing. But again, I'm just going with what I have. Verse 18, it says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy, and they sought means to bring him in to lay him before Jesus. And when they couldn't find a way which they might bring him in because of the multitude, remember I said the place was full, they went up on the housetop 
and they let him down through a tiling with, with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And so this, these guys were radical, I got to tell you. You've heard us say this before, you know, everyone in life needs four crazy friends. You know, everyone, you know, why do you need four crazy friends? Because everyone in life will face crises. Is that a word? <laughs> You'll face challenges that you need people. People that are just crazy enough to grab hold of you and get you where you need to be before God. People that are going to be real with you. People that won't take no for an answer when it comes to getting what God has for you. Now, we've said this, everyone needs four crazy friends, but let me take it another step. We need to be crazy friends. We need to be crazy friends, people that are just radical. So these guys were radical. I, I call this radical. They, they put him in a bed. They carried him to Jesus. You know, it wasn't like today. They didn't probably have a suburban to throw him in and get him there. They carried him to Jesus. And they get there, and then the place is so full, they can't get a seat. And how disappointing would that be? So what are they? they didn't, they're not phased. They get this guy. They bring him on the roof, and they, they open a hole in the roof and they let him down before Jesus. That's radical. That's radical. And Jesus, I love it. Jesus didn't freak out. I know, I'm not there. Someone goes ripping a hole in our roof and I'm preaching. I'd be like, ushers, ushers, <laughs> help. Goodness. <laughs> It says, and they, they brought him, and they, uh, they, where was I at, Stephen, huh? All right, verse 20, it says, in Jesus, it says, he saw their faith. And he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus saw their faith. Now, what did Jesus, did he have like a spiritual vision? Did he go, look at those guys, there's like a, there's like a blue fog around them. It must be their faith. No, it wasn't nothing like that. It was like they built, they ripped this hole in the roof and they're lowering this guy down. He says, look at those guys. I see the, can I say it this way? I see the determination. I see the gusto. I see that they are, are not going to take no for an answer. They got him down before me and healing is in this place. So what happens in a meeting when Jesus is preaching? Again, this may not be how you imagined it would be. Well, one guy here taps into the power. One guy breaks through the obstacles. Can I say something? There are always obstacles between us and Jesus. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, remember that lady? It's over in Mark, uh, I think it's in Mark 5, but, you know, look it up. It's in there, 4 or 5, somewhere in there, general area. This woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, had been to many physicians, spent all that she had. And isn't that how sickness can be? It just, just is like a drain. It takes your finances. And this lady spent all that she had, been to, to different physicians, and, and she was no better but grew worse. Thank God for doctors. But, you know, we're always going to put our eyes on Jesus. You know, you go to the doctor. I mean, when our kids were little, we gave them medicine and stuff. Before we'd give it to them, we'd always pray for the medicine would say, Lord, I believe this stuff is going to do good things in their body. You know, sometimes people get in trouble taking medicine. 
I did that one time. I, I, I took this antibiotic. Have you ever heard that one? This was years ago. I remember I took an antibiotic. I don't even know what was wrong with me, but I was miserable, and I went to a doctor, and I got an antibiotic. And, and I, a couple days later, I just had things just puff up on me. It got to be a joke at the office, huh? Randomly. Well, I think the first thing that happened is my eyebrow just, just puffed up. I mean, this looks like the thing your Apple computer does in the Photoshop, you know? It just all of a sudden, and you're trying to be cool, you know, being a pastor, you know? And they're all looking at your eyebrow, and it's like... <laughs> and then, then I think my lip did that. And, and just, I mean, I had my ear, my ear did it one time. My ear just got about five sizes bigger. You know, I didn't think my skin could stretch that big. My hand got that way. That was the last thing. It was my hand. It was just so puffy and big. And I remember Dana wanted to go shopping one night. And, and it was like, oh, man. I don't even like to go shopping on a normal day. And, and we went shopping. And, and I, it was winter, thank God. So I had this big leather coat on and I just stuck my hand in my pocket and acted like a hood, you know. <laughs> and then, then she, like, like happens when women go shopping is we got to the end of the night and she was buying things and, and I had to write a check. I was like, oh, my mind was like, oh man, I got to take my hand out of my pocket and it's this thing. I could hard, I had to go like this, you know. <laughs> Took a pen and this guy's watching. You know, they're always watching you at this time and I'm going, all right, let's go, you know? So I learned, you know, that, that I always pray over medicine, but this woman, she spent all that she had and got no better but got worse. And in the, that day, you know, it was against the, the Jewish law for someone who had an issue of blood to go out in public. I mean, they could, you couldn't, she wasn't supposed to touch people or nothing. And I'm telling you what, there was a crowd around Jesus. There was a crowd of people and she pushed her way through the crowd and got to Jesus and all she did, she said, if I can just touch his garment, she said, I'll be whole. And she reached out and she grabbed his garment and Jesus turned about in the crowd and he said, who touched me? Who touched me? And his disciples looked at him like, wow, Jesus, that's kind of a weird thing to say. You're in a crowd. Everybody's touching you. And Jesus, in the 20th century translation, he said it this way. He says, who made a demand upon my power? I don't know what it would have been like to be there that day, but I know this. There were obstacles to get through. That woman pushed through and laid hold on the power of God. All right, I got to keep reading here. Jesus saw their faith and said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees, now where did these guys come from? They were in the room. Which room? The room Jesus was preaching in. In the room where it's clearly said the power of the Lord was present to heal. So what happens when Jesus is teaching and preaching and, you know, the power of God is there? Well, Many things can happen. One, not everybody got healed, but this, we know this guy in the bed got healed. And, and, and two, you can, you can uh, go places mentally. You can open up yourself to reason. You can open up yourself to offense. You can open up yourself to who does that guy think he is. I haven't seen it done like, this isn't how the synagogue usually runs. 
I mean, if I was doing things, this is how we'd do it. If, if Jesus was going to heal people, you know, he could just, you know, put it in a box or, you know, he could just, you know, or lay hands on them and quote a prayer that's about 10 minutes long in, in, in really fancy English that hardly anybody really understands or talks like, you know, and then at the end of it, we'd all kneel down and incense would fly up from, from the sides and, and, and that, at that point, then he'd get healed. Jesus ruffled their feathers. He looked out at this guy, saw there was faith. He says, your sins are forgiven. They went, oh, they sucked the air right out of the room. All this happening with Jesus preaching. So the scribes and Pharisees, it says, they began to reason. It's very common for that to happen when the power of God is displayed. In fact, if that's happened to you, know this, you're human. And it's okay to reason a little bit. Don't live there. God doesn't care about you having a question. Just don't live in that world of, uh, I don't know. You know, I, I'll say this. Uh, Jim Hockaday used to teach healing school. For 10 years, he taught healing school. Healing school was a, uh, a ministry that Brother Hagen heard, heard Jesus tell him that you need to open up a, a time on, on the campus of the Bible school every day where all you're going to do is teach on healing and minister to the sick. So when I was at Rhema, back, you know, uh, when I went there, that was when Jesus told Brother Hagen to do that. In fact, I was at the meeting when he first announced that it was at a camp meeting. And that fall, he began healing school. And in those days, there were, you know, Brother Hagen taught it. And, and he typically, I'd go, there, I'd go there whenever I could. I'd go to that. It wasn't one of my regular classes. It was just an option. But I'd go there every time I could. And Brother Hagen would, you know, he'd almost always be there teaching it. And typically, on Monday through Thursday, he'd teach to build people's faith. And then on Fridays, that was always fun. Fridays were fun because he'd pray for people. And, and, and he'd, you know, you just would see wild things, you know. And, and, uh, but almost every day when you'd, I'd go to healing school, this is how Brother Hagen would end the service. We'd usually sing a song, and then Brother Hagen would get up there to, to let everybody go, and he'd say this to us. He'd point at us and say, keep your switch of faith turned on. You get in an atmosphere where the power of God is being displayed, don't think you didn't get something, okay? Uh, you know, we had Angie Worry here in the first service, and she was miraculously healed when Jim Hockaday was here. And, and um, she, she testified just from me pulling her out. I won't, I won't do that now, but uh, she said, yeah, I'm still good. And she, she had operations and stuff, and she could move her head all around now. And she, it was like fused or something. I, I'd have to ask her exactly what had happened, but... She had a rod down her, her neck, yeah, and now she can move it around. She's like, yeah, it's all, I'm all good. But I could, I could guarantee you this, that, that a couple weeks ago when, when Jim Hockaday was here preaching, some people got a manifestation. They, they even stepped into a place where they, they said, wow, the pain is gone. And then they walked out the door, or they got in their car, and, and they, they went home, and all of a sudden, they, they, it started to knock on the door, and all of a sudden, the pain came back. And they said, hey, I thought I was healed. 
That's very common. Very common. You know what happened? They entered into reason and they stayed there. The devil, the way he operates is like this. He comes to you and I with thoughts to pull us out of the power of God and get us to live and function in a place void of God. That's his goal. That's his, his method. That's how he works. So what we need to do is stay in the realm of faith. Okay? If hands were laid on me, I believe this, the power of God went into me. You know, can I, can I just talk some more? If you're going to get hands laid on you, okay, you know, like you're, you're getting, you know, get pain, you got sickness, and you're coming up to be prayed for, the best thing to do is just come up. Don't go into a bunch of talk, okay? I remember one time I saw Brother Hagen praying for a guy on a Friday, and this guy came up to get prayer, prayer and all he'd do is say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Brother Hagin could be really bold. Hallelujah. And Brother Hagin just slapped the guy. He said, stop saying that. <laughs> he says, you're so busy saying hallelujah, you can't get healed. If you're coming up to get prayed for, you're coming up to receive, not to give out. Um. What I'd say is if you're coming up to be prayed for, don't, don't say, you don't have to say anything. But just come up and think about Jesus. You know, if you have your hands up, that's always cool. Just see yourself, man, just like I always say, this is like a dry sponge. Not calling anybody a name. But, but you're like a dry sponge and you're just putting water and you're soaking up all that God has. You do that, then you leave. You know, you, you might sit there at the, at the healing line or whatever, and you might go like, wow, I got something. Yeah. Don't base it on how you feel. When you walk out of the room, if, if pain tries to come back on you, just go back to that place of saying it's all about Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Word. Keep your eyes on the promise. Don't turn the switch of faith off. Keep it on. Um, so again, these scribes and Pharisees began to reason. Can I tell you my story here? I like, I like the movie Zorro. It's one of my favorites. I haven't watched it in years, but, but you, know, you know, when you grow up like, or when you live like I have, I've been in a home that's been, been, been the majority of people in the house are female, okay, for most of my life. You know, I had my wife, I had two daughters, we even had a female cat back in the day. Then one, one Father's Day, they, they, they all got together and they got me a dog that was a boy. I said, all right, I'm feeling good. I got a boy dog. Anyway, but um, saying that, I can tell you this. I've seen every chick flick there is, okay? I've seen them all. Seen the notebook, Stephen. I kind of like, like that one too. But, but, you know, you have to. You got to learn to enjoy life. But... Uh, I like a good action film now and then. And so Zorro's a good one. And, and probably my favorite is that original one with Anthony Hopkins and, and uh, Antonio Banderas. I mean, the original remake of it. And, and uh, in that movie, the old Zorro is Anthony Hopkins, 
And he is the master. He is the legend. The legend Zorro. And I mean, that guy can wield a sword like, like nobody, you know, and just, just take on five guys at once. I go like this, but it's really... And he'd just have them all with a big Z on their coat, and they'd either run or face the point. And, and so in his day, he's beginning to train a young apprentice, Zorro. And, and what he does, is, who's Antonio Banderas, he takes him into his, his secret lair and begins to instruct him in the fine arts of sword fighting and Krav Maga and all kinds of good stuff, you know. And he's just an expert. He's a, he's a, he's a weapon, man. But, but what, what he tells the young Zorro, the old Zorro tells the young one is this. When you're fighting swords with people, he says, always stay in your circle. He says, the enemy, your opponent, will always try to lure you away from your circle into his circle. But if you're going to win, you've got to stay in your circle. And I'm going to tell you this morning that when, when it comes to faith, when it comes to healing, when it comes to receiving from the power of God, this is the fight. The devil will try to lure you and I into this realm of reason. And in that realm of reason, in that circle of reason, we lose every time. We'll lose every time. What we do is we stay in the circle of faith. We make him fight the battle on our ground. And on our ground, we win. Do you hear me today? So let me, let me finish this story. Uh, Jesus perceived their thoughts. Again, who? The scribes and Pharisees who were reasoning. And he said, uh, What reason you in your hearts, whether it's easy to say, Thy sins be forgiven, or say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up your couch, Go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them. And he took that what he laid, was laying upon and departed to his own house glorifying God. And then it says this. They were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear and they said this. I like this. I highlighted this. We've seen strange things today. If you ever come to a service... And see strange things, right away you can say, wow, it's just like when Jesus was preaching. <laughs> Don't go into reasoning. You know, you'll be tempted to. Why is that? Because you're human. But stay in the circle of faith. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.